Hello friends, my name is Kurt Polonius and welcome to Secondhand Composition, the show where we tackle on a variety of life's topics and I add my two cents to it. So in today's show, we're going to be looking at Leopold II of Belgium and sticking to Belgium, we're going to be looking at a situation that happened at the Erasmus High School. So without further ado, let's get to it. Basically, what I wanted to get into is not King Leopold II himself, but the fact that there is an ongoing protest and an urge to sign a petition to remove all of his statues. Now, you might be wondering, like, why should you care about removing a statue of an old, deceased Belgian king? And why is this an ongoing thing now? Well, basically from sources, um, it's not an ongoing thing now. It is basically something that has been going on for a while and it's just taking traction now due to the George Floyd incident that happened in the United States, which in its turn sparked a global protest for um, fairness and against police brutality and against racism as a whole. Now, moving back to Belgium and King Leopold II, um, there are basically, with just like with everything, two parties. One that is pro and one that is against it. Now, you might think, you know, well, the ones that are against the removal of the statue, you know, they, they, they have a say. Um, well, they do, but that doesn't mean that their say is anywhere near close to being a correct one. And I'm going to tell you why. King Leopold II, here's a little quick history. His reign as King of the Belgians lasted from 1865 all the way to 1909. And he was in a separate role, um, the sovereign of the Congo Free State, and that was from 1885 to 1908. Now, what that was is that he went to get permission from the colonial nations of Europe and they authorized him, they, they granted him um, the okay to basically colonize uh, Congo um, with uh, one condition. Um, he had to improve the lives of the native inhabitants. Uh, you might think, okay, he went there and he, he did that. Actually, he didn't. He went and did completely the opposite. One of the things he did was he got backing from a mercenary group 
that they called uh, Force Publique. Um, and he used those mercenaries for his personal gain. They're, they were pretty much his enforcers. And he proceeded to not only uh, colonize Congo, but he extracted a fortune from that territory. Um, he initially started uh, with the collection of ivory, but that wasn't giving him sufficient uh, revenue in return. So he basically moved on to something else, something else that was booming in the 1890s, and that was rubber. So he basically used the Congolese people um, as slaves. He forced uh, labor and got that native population of Congo to collect uh, sap from rubber plants. And that was a tedious thing to do. Um, but this man was so greedy and so downright evil that he decided that what the Congolese people needed was a bit of motivation. He basically had these people working to collect these uh, saps from these plants and he had a specific quota that everyone has to turn in their daily quota and if you don't turn in the quota the exact amount or more the proper punishment in his eyes was to have your kids your your daughters your sons your your wife to have their hands their feet amputated that was his thing he would amputate the hands and the feet of your children your wife and give it to you as as a as punishment for for not reaching your daily quota um there were cases plenty of cases that children were murdered, um, women were raped and murdered. So he was as evil as they, they came, for sure, without any doubt in my mind. And it wasn't just a couple of people either. It wasn't just a small, little tiny little community not that it would matter you know even if it was one person it would have been horrific um, but king leopold caused an estimated 8 million to 15 million deaths of these congolese people during his role as the congo free state sovereign now, if you take that into account, he is right up there with the Adolf Hitlers, 
with the Joseph Stalins that of course you know if you look at them that the millions and millions of uh, deaths innocent lives uh, taken by these people um, definitely place them in the category of tyrants of, of evil people that walked the earth now you might say that for someone that has caused you know such atrocities such pain such devastation of an area um, that anyone any human being with a heart would pretty much um, not want anything to do with that person but yet there are a group of people in Belgium that do not want that statue to be removed. They, I think their argument is that it's part of history. Um, Hitler was part of history, but that didn't stop the Germans from eradicating every single Nazi symbol, Nazi statue, statue of Hitler from Germany. They went as far as to blast Nazi symbols of the walls of buildings. So, what is stopping Belgium? I feel the lack of information given at probably schools and the lack of empathy and sympathy between um, some people living there. Um, it's almost like the it didn't happen to me so I should not care syndrome in a way. Um, and it, it's quite sad because his reign ended in 1909. There are people that their grandmothers not great-grandmothers, but their grandmothers were affected by this. Their grandfathers were affected by this. And even closer, you know, their, their mothers, their, their fathers were affected by this. But yet some of these people would say that this is part of history and people should leave the past in the past. Now, I'm going to come back to that exact quote that they said, leave the past in the past. I'll, I'll come back to that. Allow me to move away from it for just a second. If you look at Belgium, and if you look at what King Leopold did, he basically kind of built a whole bunch of uh, monuments, um, a whole bunch of uh, areas, uh, important buildings. He, he had like personal um, personal projects that he uh, enforced. And he did it off the back of these native Congolese. He did it literally 
by using their bloods, their sweat, their tears, um, their families to construct his nation, to construct buildings in Belgium, um, other uh, conquests and, and, and projects he may have had. Um, so he pretty much funded Belgium thanks to Congo. So why are people really fighting this this petition to correct the past? It's it's beyond me. You know, it's beyond me. I feel that there are a lot of people that are very detached um, from their humanity. Um, and I think those people really need to take a step back and re-educate themselves and, and try and try to have empathy. Try to put yourself in those protesters' place. And I'm not even going to get into the whole, yeah, but there's looting and stuff like that. Every protest, almost every protest has a couple of people that are not about the protest and they they just use the protest as a screen to commit these crimes. It's not necessarily the protesters that are the ones that are looting. So I'm not even going to get into that too much. But there is actually um, a monument of something uh, King Leopold II um, wrote. And he said, I have undertaken the work in the Congo in the interest of civilization and for the good of Belgium, Arlen, Belgium. Um, there is where the monument is located, I believe. So he's basically saying he, he, he undertook work in Congo for the benefit of Belgium. If I look at that statement, basically the foundation of Belgium during his reign, the progress of Belgium during his reign, the fortune, the benefits, the advancement of Belgium during his reign was built with the death of around 15 million Congolese. So the death of around 8 to 15 million Congolese is the foundation of Belgium's progress during the reign of King Leopold II. Now, if you had any compassion, any compassion at all in the fiber of your being, you would see the problem with this. You would see why people would want that's, you know, his statues removed, why it is important to eradicate his symbol, his, his face off your monuments. 
because if you if you look at it as if it was your grandparents and your parents that went through this you would feel more than likely that there's no person on on this planet that would tell me that they would not feel anger that they would not feel the need to eradicate this man's face off the face of the earth to eradicate this man's presence out of your community there's no way so to the people that say sign the petition i have to say all power to you keep going for it be smart about it but continue to fight to the people that say no i'm against it it's part of history let the past be the past i have this to say to you if the roots of the past hold strongly in the present the past will never just be the past if the past influences you positively or negatively it will never be the past you cannot say that if something that happened in the past has influence on what's happening in the present then the past can never be just the past think about that if you want me to put it in like a simple analogy would you forgive an ex that cheated on you if every single time you see that person it brings up that exact emotion over and over and over again would you forgive that ex if he or she has the same tendencies over and over again there are a lot of people that would look at a situation like that and remind that person of the past every single time that that person's presence that that person's actions reminds them of the past they would say remember when you did this or when you did that that is why i don't trust you so if in a simple case like a breakup or cheating it influences you that way imagine having eight listen closely eight to 15 million of your ancestors murdered raped amputated by this man and having to tell or someone coming to you and telling you hey the past is in the past let it go i'm quite sure you would not appreciate it at all so don't expect them to do it don't expect them to think the past is in the past and just move on from this
whether you're a parent or a student, there are certain things you would come to expect from your educational institution. You would expect a level of professionalism. You would expect an environment with positive energy, an environment of peace, an environment of bonding, an environment that will elevate you to the next level, an environment free of judgment, an environment of discretion, free of threats, an environment of trust, and free of persecution. Now, I want to state something now, kind of a correction from what I said earlier. I stated earlier that we're going to be talking about the Erasmus High School, um, but even though Hochschool translates to high school, I think for them it's more at the level of a university. Um, but that's besides the point. You know, if, if someone wants to correct me, by all means, shoot me an email or something and you can correct me. But that's besides the point. We are going to focus on educational institutions as a whole. Now, as I state all these things that we expect from an educational institution, um, it would be sad to think that it's not always so, especially um, if you look at um, now that schools are filled with so much diversity, and if you look at the financial aspect of um, schooling these days, um, it's definitely not cheap. So to think that you would be paying a good amount of money to go to an institution in which you are not provided these things that I just stated, it sounds a little bit scary, but sadly, it does happen. At Erasmus, there was an issue due to uh, COVID-19 that students were taking their classes and their exams via um, online an online classroom. So by let's call it sheer luck, um, one student managed to uh, record um, a group of teachers that unknowingly um, stayed online in, in the classroom and decided to have a conversation uh, after the tests or the exams were made about the students. They discussed the students, but it wasn't anywhere near a professional manner. These teachers uh, proceeded to ridicule the student. They proceeded to uh, make fun of their religious background. They proceeded to make fun of their cultural background. They proceeded to make fun over the fact that some of these students are not uh, financially stable. They sat there and they completely dragged their students through the mud. Um, 
they completely destroyed that student-teacher confidence, that student-teacher trust. And so, um, after this student um, decided to share um, the video and decided to um, start a petition to have these teachers removed, you would expect that this institution, after finding out that its teachers um, committed such a um, unprofessional act, would take immediate action towards those teachers. But it's sad to report that that wasn't the case. Instead of pointing it directly towards the teachers, instead of focusing on that issue which the teachers had caused, they actually sent the students an email asking them to please not leak the video, to please not show this. Now, normally, you would be like, okay, maybe they're trying to handle it just internally. But the fact of the matter is, as an institution, you need to really take a look at your members. You need to take a look at who you have in place. Like I said, these people are expecting a, a level of professionalism, a level of trust, a level of discretion, and if you have people in place that would drag all of these things through the mud, like these teachers did, you know, the, of course the students are not going to have, you know, any trust or any will to do, have anything to do with these teachers. So things kind of took a turn for the worse after the petition came out because the school decided that the best course of action to to do is to tell the student that if the petition continues if the videos are leaked that the student will be sued by the school. Now, that in and at its own shows that instead of this school, instead of it taking accountability for having horrible teachers, um, at its uh, disposal, it decided to attack the victims of this unfair treatment. Now, I want to really drive this message through because in my heart, I believe it's, it's very important it's very um, real and it's quite simple. 
teachers or not just regular human beings. They're not supposed to be just regular human beings. Teachers or people that can truly, truly, truly have a huge impact on other people's lives. Teachers or mentors that can shape a student from being someone that doesn't believe in themselves to being someone that will excel in the future. Teachers are people that can take a child from a troubled childhood and make them see that change that they can make if they invest in themselves. I speak out of experience. When I used to go to high school, um, I had a teacher that to this day, I still remember how he guided us to being better every single day, every single time we were in his class. And that's um, Mr. Raymer. He was my English teacher. And what he would do, he would not just teach us English. He would make sure to finish the um, subjects, the tasks that he needed to. And after he would take us aside and he would show us movies that have hidden messages. And one of the lessons he taught us was to look for hidden messages. Don't just look at things at the surface, you know, dig deeper, um, educate yourself more. He was someone that pushed and believed in his students so much, not just on an educational level, but on a personal level as well. I have seen students that had problems at home go to this man to have a conversation with him because they trusted him because they felt at home with him, because they felt that aura of, of guidance coming from him. And that's what a teacher is supposed to be like. A teacher is definitely not supposed to be someone which distributes uh, student information to other teachers. Uh, a teacher is not supposed to be someone that abuses um, their students' trust, abuses the parents' trust, abuses uh, the trust of uh, the educational institution. A teacher is not someone that preys upon their students' um, moments of weakness and, you know, make fun of them. A teacher is not someone that's supposed to sit there and be judgmental of their students and their students' different backgrounds and their students' uh, different uh, financial situations. We need teachers that are not only able to handle um, students of different cultural backgrounds or different religions, but teachers that are 
accepting of different backgrounds and different religions and different cultures, teachers that encourage, that enjoy the diversity of the world as a whole. And there is no room, there is no room for racist teachers um, and judgmental teachers. There is no room for this anymore. In 2014, uh, research was conducted by three professors. Um, professor Raj Chetty, um, he is a professor of economics at Harvard University. Um, professor John Friedman, he is a professor of economics and international and political affairs at Brown University. And Professor John Rockoff, he is a professor of finance and economics at the Columbian Graduate School of Business. And based on their research, they found that students taught by outstanding teachers have a higher achievement or are more likely to attend college, attend higher quality colleges, and earn a higher salary than students taught by average teachers. And I think that comes down to the ability to motivate them in different ways to be more than a teacher, to be an actual life guide along with their parents. So I will say this, I would ask for institutions like Erasmus and the Flemish Ministry of Education to listen to the pleas of students. I would call for any educational institution that would have similar issues or signs of similar issues to take it seriously. You owe it not just to your students, you owe it not just to the parents that trust you with their children, but you owe it to yourselves, you owe it to your name, you owe it to your integrity to provide what you say you would provide, and that is a positive educational experience for every single one of your students from all backgrounds. So. I will leave you with two quotes. The first reads, teaching is a very noble profession that shapes the character, caliber, and future of an individual. If the people remember me as a good teacher, that will be the biggest honor for me. This was by Abdul Kalam. And the second, reads, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires, by William Arthur Ward. Thanks for listening, my friend, and I'll catch you on the next episode.